Hey, today we are running the last of my talk. This is the final run through for a new talk that I have prepared for the state of Iowa and the betterment of the future generations. <laughs> I mean, but really, that's kind of the subject matter. So doing a run through that, hopefully you can see the progression because I did a practice run. Um, earlier last week, and then as we continued to refine and, and perfect what the messaging was going to be, uh, hopefully you can feel the change and how much work goes into this. It is, yes, like a 20 to 30 minute conversation talking in front of people, but it is a like lifetime of experiences cultivated into that 20 to 30 minutes, prepared and um, put together for weeks, if not months on end, thinking about what you're going to do with your experience. So anytime that you hear a speaker, I know that it seems like, oh, they were just up there. That's so easy. And people might be like, geez, why do speakers get so much to do what they do. It's a half an hour, but it's not. It's a lifetime. And hopefully, as you can see, the perfection and, and work that goes into being able to stand up on a stage and talk for any amount of time, right? Literally, people are more afraid of talking in front of an audience than they are of dying. So yeah, should probably pay those people very well, <laughs> the ones that are willing to do it. <laughs> All right, let's go. Hey, you're on this journey, on this season five vibe and everything season five, as I'm forecasting what it will look like, is all about settling into the being, the knowing, transitioning from believing to knowing and fine tune correcting what that looks like and just living. And we started out this show you know, really thinking that this was going to happen overnight. And one of my greatest accomplishments of all of this will be just continuing on and showing an example, a real life example of what it looks like to turn your life around. And so if you're just happening upon this show in season five, you should know there are four other seasons that have followed me on this journey this journey of turning my life around, this journey of finally getting to this place where I wasn't angry and spiteful and hateful and ego-driven. It really follows all of that. So you can go back to the start. What I will caution you is that it is unedited and pure and raw. And I was still very much in that ego hate phase of my life and it's all lived out loud and this whole journey has been lived out loud in truth so you will hear me venturing into businesses that if you follow the link that i am promising you will be there you will end up lost 
You are not going to get there. Just know that. Um, but it's, it's all about that journey. It was real. It was real right then. That business I was developing, that program, that course, that whatever. It was real and this is all real. This is me living my life out loud. So we can all do our dreams. Welcome to the Death of a Dream podcast where we do dreams. You're right. You're welcome. It's happening. We're doing it. I'm loving it. <laughs> McDonald's. No, not McDonald's. What? Come on. Stop it. Uh, let's go ahead and ground ourselves in our greatness. It's going to be a great thing. It's going to be such an amazing thing. So when we first started this show, when we, and when I say we, I mean the whole army of me, myself, I, and all of the identities that that includes, because it has shifted throughout this show as your life might, if you are recording every single day for the last five years, you might look a little bit different. And I definitely do. Um, but all of those identities, personalities included, <laughs> <laughs> makes up we. So when I say we, I mean, it's me. Anything that you see coming out of anywhere is me. And I don't say that to make you feel like, oh, she's so incredible. Oh, does she even sleep? I, I say that because if you want something and you're willing to work for it, you could do it. You can and I actually intentionally just kept it me um, for that very reason. So there was no reason for you to be like, nah, I can't go after my dreams. Nah, you're crazy. Um, and so when we started this show, I remember starting it. And, and, and certainly anytime that you start something that has analytics. And now everything that you would do has analytics. It's constantly in front of your face. This is how many followers you have. This is how many likes your last post got. This is how many people are listening and liking and commenting. You can see everything. And, you know, back in the day, uh, you had a guess at how many people read the newspaper. You had a rough estimate of how many eyes were getting on it based on newspaper sales, but not actually based on knowing if they read it or not. It was just a guess. It was a shot in the dark. Now it's in your face all the time. Every single thing that you do, you will know the analytics of it. And I love, love that. But what I will say is that the analytics part gets hard, especially if you're building something from scratch, because it is never going to build fast enough for you to feel great about it. It just isn't. And I remember at the start being like, whoa, two people are listening to this. How cool is that? And my audience bounces anywhere from two people to to. 300 people. You know, we got a lot of traffic around the time that everybody thought that I was going to spill the dirt on why I left my job, which I did. And I left my job because I was ready to, to figure out where I wanted to go with life. And all signs were pointing to go sister. There was no bad blood. It just, it didn't make sense for me to be there anymore. 
because I had put into the universe so firmly what I wanted and I was working towards it and the universe couldn't even help but help me out of that situation. And so, I, you know, recently I was on and I saw that the daily listenership had grown and, and typically it will um, from time to time. And I don't actually analyze my analytics that often because I said early on, if I could help one person, then this would have been worth it. And literally within the first month, I had gotten feedback from someone about how my journey and my words had had shifted the way that she was looking at the world. And for that reason, it had had already changed her life and what she was going to do. And so I think when you keep the expectation extremely low, there really is no metric that you need to be at. And I was blessed to be building this kind of on the side of a career and and kind of in the dark and be able to figure out some things. Uh, <laughs> and so I, I just, it's my great thing because I didn't stop, even when the analytics compared to the rest of the world would have said, it's probably time to give it up. And I, I'm not going to stop. I enjoy this medium too much. I enjoy coming here and reflecting on what I have going on. I enjoy this as a place where I can get some things off my chest. I enjoy this as a place where I have worked through my life, the hard stuff right here with all of you. Because quite frankly, I don't want anyone to feel lost or as lonely as I did when I was going through that. I remember like waiting patiently week after week, waiting for my favorite podcaster to come on their episode and and then pump me up and I would binge listen and once, and then I'd have no episodes and then I'd be waiting again. And I'd get so inspired and so motivated and then it would fizzle out because I didn't have that voice and my voice wasn't strong enough for myself yet to kind of carry that torch. And so I just decided that I didn't want anyone to be alone and I don't know what I'm going to get out of this journey, but I'm just going to start recording. Like this is what I'm struggling with, right? I'm struggling with the fact that I just realized when my dream died, I kind of signed my life over to nothingness. Like I had always set goals, but I didn't really have anything I was working towards. I think I was just letting life kind of steer me towards whatever it wanted for me. And that made me a jumping puppy. Like, okay, if that's what you think I should do, okay, if that's where you think I should grow, that's where I'll go. And it was fine for a while, but it became exhausting. And when I really sat down and reflected, reflected on what I wanted out of life, if I was being completely honest, I had no idea because I hadn't been passionate about my life since that last chapter ended. Yeesh. And we don't want to go there, but I'm going to go there because I think it takes that introspect. It takes that willingness to sit in that hard stuff and deal with that before you go do your dreams. So, you know, my great thing today is just continuing. And if you're starting something or you're out there wanting to, to do something, the only advice I can give you is have the lowest expectation of what you're going to get from other people.
in the beginning, the journey is about you. Do what makes you feel good consistently enough to shift your perspective and to shift your narrative. That's my great thing. Go ahead and take time for yourself and recognize yourself for your greatness. Now, today, just like I do when I'm practicing and preparing for any new talk that I give to the public, I typically will do a dry run here. I'll do a little bit better than that dry run, and then I will do my final run the morning of. So this is a talk titled Iowa Fields of Possibilities. We ask first graders all the time, what do you want to be when you grow up? In fact, I teach junior achievement to first graders in Denver, Iowa, and (laughs) this is the first thing we ask them on that day. What do you want to be when you grow up? The little girl that made this tinfoil stethoscope with her mom the night before career day was giddy with excitement to tell everyone that she was going to be a doctor when she grew up. (laughs) Now, she basically floated to school that day, and even though she didn't have an outfit, she only had this tinfoil stethoscope she felt out of this world about announcing that she was going to be a doctor. Now, she came from a small town in Iowa with a population of about 1,500. She had one college-educated parent and one parent with a high school diploma, and her family balanced somewhere between lower class and middle class constantly. And her As most first graders do when they're excited about something, she busted through the door that day to announce to her teacher she was going to be a doctor. So she bounced in. She blurted it out as loudly and as proudly as she could. I'm going to be a doctor, teacher. And her teacher must have analyzed her background and and looked at her lovingly and said, you will have to have a lot of money. Be very smart and leave Iowa. Now, for most first graders, this wouldn't have become a list of qualifications. This would have been an off comment that they never thought about again, but to this super analytic, over-compulsive and crazy little girl, this put a damper on a day that she was looking forward to. Her career day was crushed in an instant. Because of the few things that she knew about herself at the age of seven, she knew these three things rung true. One, she didn't know anyone that had any money. In fact, it was a constant state of conflict in her household. Two, she had never been called smart or intelligent by any means. She sat in her classroom somewhere right around the lower to to middle ground in spectrum. And three, she didn't know anyone who had ever gotten out of Iowa. I'm here today to create a new reality for little girls like this in the state of Iowa. Create a reality where financial backgrounds, where backgrounds like this don't shut the door on a dreamer 
at entrance, where non-traditional intelligence is acknowledged and celebrated and small backgrounds are factored into that equation of what it took to get where we're going. And a reality where Iowa is a place where you can build your dream. Now, we know that three-year-olds coming from a professional family speak about 1,100 words compared to 500 words spoken by three-year-olds who are coming from a disadvantaged support system like the one this little girl was from. Now, there isn't much that we can do to change her reality, that background. So what can we do? Well, we can start working to connect students to stories about people who came from similar backgrounds. We can start working to be the light in those situations so those students can see what's possible from where they are right now. And Liz Neely, we know that stories create movement and motivation. Liz Neely is a storytelling entrepreneur and she credits the shifting of core beliefs to storytelling, which means a kid from a background like the one that this little girl describes could overcome that background with something as simple as connecting to a story of someone who has a similar upbringing. It almost seems like too easy of a solution. That's it? We have to tell Iowa stories? The problem there is, as I listened to an author who spoke on her books that she published about the prohibition in Northeast Iowa, Liz McCann, and she had said, the interesting thing about interviewing Iowans about our history is that (laughs) they don't view their history as important or special, and they certainly don't talk about it. And we have to create this reality in Iowa where our stories are valued and important and start bringing them to light in order for our next generation to see the light. We have to be the light. Now, things have changed drastically since 1995 when this first grader was in school. There are less obvious separations like free lunch lines and paid lunch lines. Hopefully that's not happening in schools anymore like she described it happening to her. We've also got a lot of schools that are practicing uniforms so that little girls like this don't feel feel like less constantly because they are wearing clothes that are overworn and outgrown. So we've been fighting for more equal opportunities and no doubt the people in this room are doing this very work. And we have done a lot to advance and equalize the state of Iowa. No question, pat yourselves on the back. But we can do even more. We are far from done creating equal opportunities for the future generation of Iowans and ourselves. So spokesperson for the college for the college board 
said that they are working on things that analyze the entire being of the college student. And they talked about landscape as a tool that could potentially give them the, the possibility to do that. And this is a tool that's designed for admission officers to view a student's academic accomplishment in the context of where they live and learn. And these tools are super important. And while this tool has been underutilized, these are the types of tools and programs that everyone in this room can start championing and, and making sure stay relevant in the existence of the landscape of the state of Iowa and across the country, because we know that the experience in small towns in Iowa, because it is so small, is drastically different from the experience in other places. Now, we hear this quote all the time, right? Your network is your net worth or something of, of it. So if you haven't heard this one, you've likely heard you're only as strong as the five people you surround yourself with. And if we think about how that impacts the future generations of Iowa, we have to start to consider that the landscape for an Iowan wanting to pursue an Ivy League education, for instance, compared to the network of uh, Upper East Side New Yorker wanting to pursue an Ivy League education is different. And there are a lot of differences, but one of the biggest and most glaring and hurtful differences in Iowa is the network that you can tap into. And so... Right? What do we do about that? Well, even even in the instance that that you're an adult in this room and you, you want to publish a, a book, the likelihood that you are ever going to run into a publisher, an editor, a publishing company executive on your way to work when you're grabbing coffee is extremely low. In fact, you could probably sit in a million coffee shops across Iowa and never do that. You could work your whole life to network here and never run into that. However, if you're an Upper East Side New Yorker, the likelihood just increased by about a thousand percent, right? So there are differences in the networks that we live in. And in order to create a new reality around this subject, we have to start pushing for the tools that I described here. And if it doesn't exist yet, we might have to start building it. So we know that Iowans are starting to stay at a higher rate than they ever have before. And if they're not staying, they're moving back or people are transferring in. Iowa is growing. So what is the problem? This little girl describes that those who stay kind of continue that normal narrative of Iowa. And she describes knowing her entire life that if she made it out, she was deemed special. And if she stayed in Iowa, she had settled. Now, you can, you can question that may not have been your upbringing, um, but <laughs> we know that this is true in the stories that we tell. If you're from a small town or if you're from really any town in Iowa, the likelihood that you know the one person that got out is pretty high. In fact, to go ahead and, and raise your hands if you can think right now about who that person was in your town. 
Yeah, I, I definitely can, right? So we know who those people are and their stories loom large and they pass on from generation to generation. And so it's no wonder that this narrative is suffocating the future generations of Iowans like this little girl described. She knew if she got out, she would have to be extremely special because those stories loomed large. And unfortunately the folklore of those that stay is much less widely spread. It's sort of like a, yeah, and can you believe she's from here? Type of scenario and conversation that we have about people who stay and do something really special instead of the excitement and, and, and appreciation that we have for those who left. And it's crazy because right now Iowa is in the place where we are in the perfect position to do dreams here than we ever have been before. In fact, Iowa was ranked by an accounting software company, number two state in the country to build a business. So the landscape has never been better to do a dream than before. In fact, the um, rural community that I run my business out of the average rent of a brick and mortar store storefront is about $600 a month, which means you could be closer to building your dream in Iowa than anywhere else in the country right now. And if you don't want to believe me, cause I'm just a crazy Iowa hype person up here, don't. But you do have to believe the trends that we're seeing, which is that large companies and corporations are, are putting their spaces, bringing their businesses to Iowa. This is not by chance. This is because of the metric that I just told you. This is the number two state in the country for a reason. And big companies are taking note of that. In fact, Facebook and Amazon, some of the biggest players in the game right now, are buying up real estate in Iowa quickly. If they can see the possibilities that are here, then maybe we can too. My husband and I were on a trip to Breckenridge, Colorado, and we were having conversations about the downtown and how lively and, and cultural and eccentric and, and, and beautiful, but small it was. It had so many cute shops that we loved just bouncing around downtown. And while we were at a corner brewery that day. We were having a conversation about what it would look like to live here and, and build our dreams here. And I sort of had this epiphany and I'm, I'm really bad about having epiphanies and, and <laughs> taking them too far. But I have this realization that while we can't have mountains in Iowa, fine, like this picture shows, although some of our quarries have pretty impressive mounds, I'm just like, I'm just going to say that we could, maybe we could do something with that. Okay. But aside from that, we can't have mountains here, but I couldn't see any reason that we couldn't have <laughs> this downtown in every small community that was in Iowa, right? 
I really couldn't see a reason. And, and since my background is in analytical strategy and data analysis, I of course have to start looking this up. And I sort of over obsess because me and my husband are having conversations about moving to Idaho or, or Oregon or Colorado, because maybe these are the systems that can support the, the dreams that I had for, for my life, you know, the, the little shops and, and being able to write a book and how all of the things that we sort of dream about. And so I ran the numbers. And what I realized is that the landscape here is, is better than anywhere. We're the number two state in the country to build a business. And when you mix that with the 7% lower living cost of living than anywhere in the country, it, it mixed up for an analytical analysis of why not here, why not now scenario. As you might have guessed it, that little girl with the tinfoil stethoscope was me all those years ago. And <laughs> I didn't go on to become a doctor because I was fed these lies my whole life. Hannah, you do not come from the right background. You are not smart enough and you are too small town Iowa to get out of here. And I want to change what's being said. I know those conversations because I hear them all the time. And these are the conversations that I heard growing up as a little girl in this state. <sighs> yeah, we just never got out. Or yeah, we moved back because we wanted our kids raised in the school systems, in the community with the values that we were raised with. So we kind of gave up on, on our big dreams. I don't want Iowa to be a place where we settle for a small experience. We can have a big experience somewhere small too. And so to, to create a new reality in Iowa today, we have to start telling even more Iowa stories, making sure that we're doing the work to support local storytellers who are, who are out there spreading their message because those perspectives are the things that are gonna to connect to our future generation and start shining a light on what's possible here. And kudos to the team that brought me in to speak today because they are clearly already doing that work. We have to start fighting for the importance of a small experience and supporting and, and building tools and networks that can allow the future generations to compete with the rest of the world. And we have to start doing our dreams here. Most importantly, I'm asking everybody here to start shining. Do what's special to you here. And I want to leave you with this quote today by George Bernard Shaw. This is the true joy in life, being used for a purpose recognized by yourself as a mighty one, being a force of nature. I am of the opinion that my life belongs to the whole community. And as long as I live, it is my privilege to do for it what I can.
It is a sort of splendid torch, which I have got a hold of for the moment. And I want to make it burn as brightly as possible before handing it on to future generations. Iowa has fields of opportunities and plenty of small places where we can create a big experience. But in order for the next generations of Iowans to do that work, we have to be willing to show them what it looks like. Thank you. Oh, we did it. There it is. That is titled Iowa Fields of Opportunities. And if you would like to hire me for your event to inspire your group to do their dreams here, to live larger here, to, to take a risk on themselves, to start changing the landscape of Iowa or small communities, you can. I'm right here. I don't know how you get a hold of me. Just find me somewhere. You can just email me. Um, I think my email is on the podcast. Either way, I am really excited for this talk because I think it it speaks from a perspective of truth and experience, truth and experience of the small town experience, of the Iowa experience, of what's being passed down to generations and hurting and stunting the growth of the people that are there living their lives. We, we really don't have to settle for something small because that is what we chose, right? We can do big things in small places. We can find ways to be big here. And I'm not saying that you have to build an empire or, or even start a business. I'm saying what does big look like for you? What would you build? What would light you up more than you are right now? What would you do if you could do anything? That's your big experience. It does not matter what the scope is. It's about your light shining and spreading across the landscape, which will catch on like wildfire. It has been amazing to live the life that I am living now. All because of a willingness to just start and figure it out. As always, you're smart, you're strong, you're beautiful. What are you going to do? Change the world. Hey, I've enjoyed spending time with you and I cannot thank you enough for making what I do possible. If you want to continue to support the show and therefore continue the development of everything that we're doing here with the death of a dream and the development of local and all of the platforms that allow dreamers to do, you can go ahead and connect with us on socials at Local Shop Space and connect with me on socials at Hannah Nuss. And I would love to see you there. Go ahead and check out all of our websites and everything that we do here. I would love you to do all of that, to like, share, and, and comment on everything that we're doing. But bottom line, I, I just want you to do your dreams. And as long as you're going after the things that set your heart on fire, that's all that really matters. 